Camp, Camp, Radio. Camp, Radio. Camp Radio. Camp Radio. Camp. Welcome Radio. to Camp Radio, Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. Thank you for joining us on Camp Radio. My name is Kevin Peerage, and I'll be your host. Uh, we continue our series on the focused on the health of a small church, and we have with us John Parrott, and with uh, John's uh, just extensive uh, experience in ministry as a pastor, a director of missions, and working for the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, uh, supporting bivocational pastors across the state of Tennessee. Uh, we're just fortunate to have John here. Uh, John, thank you for being with us again today. Thank you, Kevin. Again, it's good to have this opportunity to share with you again. Well, let's kind of dive into this. Last, uh, our last podcast, we talked about uh, cultivating leadership in a bivocational situation or a smaller church and how important that is. I also want to talk this time on just balancing. As a bivocational, how do we balance between work, ministry, family, and just self? And we talked last time about this uh, how bivocational ministry can be overwhelming uh, if you don't have good leadership, but the pastor needs to try to, to balance all those things so he can be healthy, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Let me uh, begin, Kevin, by saying uh, maybe I need to qualify something from even our past discussion. There's never been a time in my life that I was a bivocational pastor by definition, but I grew up in a bivocational setting under the leadership and guidance and preaching of bivocational pastors and mm-hmm. grew up in a small church. So I feel like I have some sensitivity that way, you know, simply from that experience in my life. But one thing that I discovered as being the main issue, whether you're a small church, medium-sized, large church, whatever, the issue pastors have and have always had is this thing of time management. Yeah, how do we handle our time? Now, here's the interesting thing. The Bible says in Psalm 90, I think it's Psalm 90, teach us to number our days. Mm. Well, that's a good that's good advice. Yeah. And, you know, we got 24 hours. And, you know, that's what puts, puts us all on even ground. We all got 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, the challenge is, you know, how you handle the 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And so time management is crucial. Well, when you obviously are a small church pastor, bivocational pastor, and you're holding two jobs, Mm -hmm. you are full vocational as the minister to that church, but also fully responsible to your job. You better better learn something about time management or you're going to be in big trouble. I, I, I say it this way sometimes. I said the difference between the full vocational pastor and the Lord's Day in preaching and the bivocational pastor in the Lord's Day in preaching was the full vocational pastor, you know, gets so excited as week goes along. He's been in his study. He's he's prepared. Man, I can't wait. Sunday's coming. I yeah. can't wait to preach. The bivocational guy says, oh, man, it's Friday. And it's a day till Sunday. Yeah. And I'm not ready. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of the way you look at it because right. it, a lot of times it plays out that way. You right. know, I've been so busy. You know, I, I've not had time to be in the word like I wanted to be. Because of the demands of family or or job, and so they look at it differently. 
uh, and I and I just want to say this to all pastors. I never question the the sincerity of pastors uh, in their leadership in the church. But see, some pastors are sincere, but they're sincerely wrong mm-hmm. in how they're trying to go about their ministry. Uh, the thing I think is crucial to, to being able to manage your time is you have to understand what's driving your ministry. Mm-hmm. I'm called of God. God called me to do this, and He's the one who who challenges me and guides me in everything I do. And I want to say to a guy, and I'm not trying to be cute with him, but when he tells me that, I say, really? Could it not be that sometimes what's driving you and your ministry is insecurity? Not God. Well, what are they going to think if I don't get this done? Or what are they going to think if I don't do this? What are they going to think, you know, I just don't feel confident enough. So maybe it's not God that's driving sometimes it's insecurity. And you need to learn how to deal with the insecurity in your life. And following off of that is just a lack of self-confidence. And that's what's driving me. You know, I'm not confident about what I'm doing and how it needs to be done. But here is one that I think drives ministers, and I believe it's happened in a small church, can happen in any church. They're living off the affirmation of others. Isn't it easy for that to happen, Kevin, with any of us? Yeah. Uh, Everybody likes to be liked. Everybody likes to be affirmed. And sometimes I think a ministry gets the idea, the harder I work, the more the numbers rise, the more this happens or that, the more they're saying, man, what a good pastor, you know, what a good job. I, am I being led by God or am I driven by the affirmation of the pats on the back right. that I, I feel like I need? You know, so time management is going to be built around what's really driving your ministry. And so, and you can tell me, oh, it's God. God's leading me to do this and leading me to do this. And I must do this. Really? Or is it some of the other things I mentioned? Right. So I think we have to be careful about that. We have to learn who God says we are, not who they're saying we are. And I think I think that's important. Uh, it's not what others think. It's what God knows about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Wouldn't it be terrible to get to the end of the way in a, in a place of leadership and role with and and God has to confront you the fact, well, what really drove you during that days was not my relationship with you. It was your drive to be affirmed, right. to be liked by everybody. Who doesn't like to be liked? But being a leader doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to be popular or you're going to be liked, but you must be a leader. Uh, so, you know, I think we have to be careful about what it is driving the ministry, which will define the management of our time. And that I've, I've always told guys that I kind of, I see it this way. God, church, you know, family is the way guys do it. Here's the way I saw it. I saw it as God, family, church. Right. And the reason for that is the first divine institution on the face of this earth was the home, not the church. God places Adam and Eve in a home environment. He entrusts them with creation. He entrusts them even with children later on. I mean, you got to know that. This right. is not a tack-on thing. Yeah. This is not an either-or thing. It becomes a both-and in how I relate to my family. Uh, I'm afraid that, you know, if you could take a pastor away from his family and put the family over here as to how the the church group sees him, his family sees him, what his family say, you know, you're a hypocrite. I hope that wouldn't be the case. Yeah. But it could easily be. Uh, I had an old preacher many years ago who said to me that, you know, be careful that you don't spend all your time balancing someone else's kids on your knee and you never took time for your own. There was good advice in that because you have to find a way to work for your family. And we'll say more about that later on, too. But you have to you have to work at your management of time. 
I'm just saying to guys, you cannot sacrifice your family. I don't know how many ordinations I've been involved in, but I've always reminded men that men, the day you lose your family, you lose your ministry. Right. You got to sober up to that. You know, they, they deserve time. And so, and so, you know, one of the things I try to tell them to do, most guys don't have a lot of trouble getting their church work done. It's what they're doing to everything else in their life, mm-hmm. you know, and the challenge becomes, you know, uh, how important is it that I make that ball game for right. that kid? Or how important it is I, I go to the theater and see them perform? Or how important it is that I pay attention to my wife? It's very, very important. Sure. And, uh, you can you can raise up your family and create an environment where they don't love the church like you love the church because they see the church is taking you away from them. So there are things that you work at. And one of those things, you know, that I, I encourage them to work with that, that helps with the managing of your time is you have to have... Uh, you have to have date nights mm-hmm. with your wife. And I'm not telling anything here that people don't know, but you really have to do it. Right. And you really have to work at doing it. Let me tell you what I discovered about churches and time management. Churches will let you do everything you want to do for them. It's never going to bother them that you're doing right. it either. <laughs> you know, so you right. got to understand that. Yeah. And so if you're going to have time for your wife, you have to fight for that time. That time has to be blocked off. That time has to be defended. And so there's nothing wrong with doing that. And so you have to find the time, and and I call it date night, or boy, this is her time. Nobody else's, you know. My wife has always known that if I am busy, there's ways I let her know she's not forgotten. For example, uh, if I have to go somewhere and I'm going to be gone overnight, I leave notes under her pillow. She doesn't know the notes there until she goes to bed. And I've got a note there. I'm thinking of you right now. I love you. I'm praying for you. I miss you. Wish I was with you. Just something simple. Right that affirms, you you know, how valuable the relationship is. So, you know, I'll do a simple thing like that, which right. anybody can do, you know, and just lets them know that, that you are vital to my life. And so, you know, of course you remember all the special times and all too, you know, every now and then find a way to get away. Uh, Dr. Randy Davis talked about this and, and uh, finding times that you just plan a, plan a special away time. She doesn't even know you got it planned and you plan it and you go. You may not be having all the time, but the time that you have is quality. You understand what I'm saying? She understands she is still a valuable part of your life. It didn't take you a lot of time to write a note and stick it under a pillow, does it? Right. I mean, come on. (laughs) I mean, simple thing to do. Right. It may take more time to plan out that little outing or whatever, but, but you do that. And then the same is true on your side with the study of the Word of God. You have to know what works best for you based on your job. Uh, you know, some people are morning people. Some people are evening people. Uh, if you wait on me till the middle of the day and study, it's probably over. Uh, my mind is too flushed out and, you know, there's too many things diving in there. But early, I can get myself focused. Some yeah. guys are like that, but some guys can actually do it in the evening. Another thing about time management and, and what is driving you is is uh, when you lay your head up on the pillow, if you're like I am, I may reflect on the day. Mm-hmm. What did I do today? The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. I go about. I don't know how much good I'm doing. <laughs> Preachers got to know that. Busyness defi- does not define that, man, I'm getting the ministry done. Right. Your busyness doesn't fi- define that. But are you doing good? And, and often I'll reflect, and, I, and I've always encouraged preachers to do this, and you lay your head on the pillow at night and you reflect on the day, the one sincere question you need to ask is about your day and how you used it. What did I do today that had kingdom significance in it? Or did I just do a lot of church busy work? 
What did I do? Because that'll begin to narrow down the time that you use. That The amazing thing about Jesus was, you know, and, and Blackaby and others taught this even in experiencing God. Jesus only did what he said. I do only what the Father is doing. Well, that may really begin to define your day. What am I seeing the Father do? And that may, may, may not be near as time consuming as I thought. I think the enemy... The evil one uses against us, you know, the idea of business and guys will get out here and, you know, and he took time off his family. He's gone today or he's over playing golf or this Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Guys that have learned the value of doing that in their time, but he sees it as a waste, you know. Another Mm -hmm. guy says, man, you need to be winning people to Jesus. You need to be doing this and that. True, but I also need to be healthy in the way I do that. And if I'm just pushing myself to the limit, and wasting myself. I'm not keeping myself healthy mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, any other way, because your family's involved. Now, where your children are concerned, mm-hmm. you better believe you better get to the ball game. And you have a short window. That's right. If you got uh, young children are still at home, you, you have a short window and they're gone. That's exactly and that's, right. And that window, time of, that you spend with them is the time that uh, they, they uh, grow in their, their relationship with God. They grow a close uh, relationship with you as That's, a father yes. yeah. and, and mother, mm-hmm. and uh, you teach them. Just, you remember we, we were talking about making disciples? Where do you make disciples first? Yes. In your home. Right. Children are heritage. Hmm. And the Lord of Scripture says, and that's another thing I feel like that even in the small church we need to improve on. We need to take the time to teach our, our families how to take time, as you said, right. with our children. That's that's good time, not putting them in front of a video game, not watching tele- television or something. like. No, it's good time if we're taking a walk. But in this walk, I'm going to talk about the creation of God or, or right. something, you know, that I'm discipling them to be a follower yeah. of Jesus. And, and that's important. But talking about ball games, performances at school and everything else, believe me, I know every time my dad showed up. I'll never forget when I played Little League Baseball early on. My, my dad uh, my dad was a preacher, but he, he, he answered a call to preach later in life. But before that, on the job, he wasn't making all my ball games. And I looked for him. And I never will forget the first time he showed up. Hmm. That may have just been me, but I felt like I played better. My attitude was better. Yeah. I did better. So I'm saying, yeah, you better show up for those important times in their lives. As you said, Kevin, they'll be grown before you know it. But they'll always remember Dad was there. Mm. That, you know, that they won't forget that. He, and he showed up. And it's more than just remember. It, it uh, It's the way they live their life. It's the way they are parents. They learn from you. They learn from us. Yeah. And and that's and and, and of course that's a, just a general rule and understanding for any parent. You know, when you can be in the presence of your children but not be there, we need to be with our our wives and with our children and connected to them and leave that stuff behind. You're teaching your church. See, every as preachers get this idea that what I'm doing in the pulpit is all that they're gaining from me. No, they're gaining from your behavior. How does he treat his wife? How does he relate to his kids? Mm-hmm. Believe me, they are watching and they will learn from that. And that's a sermon you're preaching. You're not in the pulpit saying anything. Right. And so, you know, in time management, you got to know the things I'm doing with a family are not shirking responsibilities. This is being responsible. Mm-hmm. This is being what Jesus wants me to be to my family. Because, you know, the one thing you and I both know, too, that as those children are growing up and all that, our children have eternal destinies. Our grandchildren, we all do. You know, what am I doing to assure that I'm creating the right kind of environment as the Holy Spirit works in their lives that they'll come to Jesus? They'll trust Jesus. Yeah. 
and and if I'm not spending time with them, you know, in that way, uh, it's like uh, my my grandkids, for example, right now. They know every every holiday we have or every time we have a get together, they're going to hear from Poppy. And it's going to be biblically based or it's going to be something about Jesus or something you need to remember. I remember uh, last Christmas, I even talked to them about the value of their name, how important your name is. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important the name you're carrying in the parrot family, whatever. But but also you were given a name and I know it was more in the Jewish culture than in ours. But mm-hmm. I wanted to, I told them about what their names meant. Well, There's no accidents. You know, you're who you are. Exactly. And, and you know, we uh, we named our, our kids uh, Hannah and Lydia. And we had purpose. That, that was kind of one of the things that I told my wife. I said, if we're going to name our kids, we got to name them. I want a biblical name, and there needs to be a reason for that. And I think that needs to fit them. And so my girls hear that from me all the time. I always like to tell them, I'm going to remind you again. You already know this, <laughs> but there's a reason why you have that name, that name. And this for this reason. Yeah. And I hope that their kids one day, they'll think yeah. through and that would be important. They can teach their children sure. the same thing. But yeah. that's just a small little thing. Little thing. And it's not demanding a lot of your time yeah, to yeah. keep that focus in them. Sure. Yeah. Tell you a cute story real quickly. Our son, his name is John Jeremy. Back when he was named Jeremy, it was almost unheard of that boys were being named Jeremy. Mm. But I gave him the name Jeremy because it was biblical mm-hmm. and exalted of God. You know, and I wanted him to understand that. Well, uh, I remember one time he he went through one of those phases. Sometimes our children do where he wasn't real happy with his name. I don't know why you could call me Jeremy. Why didn't you call me Biff or right. Bob or whatever? Why <laughs> Jeremy? And I remember I said to him, well, I, I'm going to be truthful with you, son. I said, at the time we were praying over you and how, what to name you, I wanted to call you Rooster. But your mama said, no, Jeremy would be better. He never said anything else about his name <laughs> yeah. after that. But the the names we give them are for a purpose yeah. and, and the name they carry at home. Mm-hmm. You see, uh, spending time with them helps them to know, too, that they can come to you. They can respond to you. They have a relationship with you, just as it is with the Heavenly Father. There are a lot of things that I chose not to do in my life early mm-hmm. on growing up, not because I was scared to death of my dad which I could have been, but it was out of respect for his name. Had carried himself. Mm-hmm. I knew that this would hurt the name. And and you teach them that by just spending some time with them, walking with them, teaching them, so that one day they'll say, you know, Dad, man, I wouldn't want to do that. That's not my dad. That's not that's right. not how he lived. That's not how he taught me to live. Right. And so they're not afraid of you. They love and respect what you taught them. But, it, but that's little stuff, as you say, Kevin. It doesn't take a lot of time sure. to do that. Sure. And also... As a uh, uh, a pastor, a bivocational pastor, with all these things they're trying to juggle, they're juggling their work, mm-hmm. they're juggling their their family, their ministry. Uh, what about self? You know, it's easy to pour everything into everything else and then neglect yourself. Right, right. Well, I there's a little more I'll say about that later on, but yeah, he has to know that there are times that. He just needs to be still. Mm-hmm. And like I say, I'll say more about that later on. But but he really needs to learn how to uh, to step away from that definition and role. And uh, and some of that can mean that he actually just, he, he becomes dad or he becomes husband. Mm-hmm. He, he's not the pastor anymore. And so he, he, he plays into those roles of, of who he is. He also knows the value of finding some ways of outlet to nurture himself. You remember when we used the word attitude, we talked earlier, the guy that's teachable. Mm -hmm. One of the keys of improving yourself is being teachable. 
I don't know. Have you ever met any guy that it just frustrates you because he's just always like he knew everything? Yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? He's done that twice. I did it once. Now he's done it twice. Yeah. Those guys frustrate you. Yeah. Because, you know, no, you haven't done everything, you know, and you need to learn how to know you and and to find ways to, to better you. And uh, so one of the ways that you help yourself beyond the accountability you have with your family is to find accountability partners That's good. in your life. You know, find someone that you have a, an accountability with that, that loves you in spite of you, that tells you the truth right. about you, and you spend time with them, you know, from time to time. If it's just a prayer time, something that, that helps to encourage you even in, in your tough times. Right. When you go through those difficult moments, I had a, a friend who taught me this back when we lost our oldest grandson. You know, that that's pastor impacting because I began to think, okay, you preached this stuff all these years. Now yeah. people are watching. Yeah, how does John handle heartbreak in his life? What does he do? And I knew that it was vital that I learned how to do that. And part of that came through accountability to others who would talk to me and I could talk to about how I felt. Mm-hmm. I think every pastor needs somebody like that. Right. Now, let me tell you what someone told me back when we lost that grandson and they want to know how I was doing. And I said, well, I'm, I'm doing pretty well. But he said to me, but be careful that you don't go to the dark place. There is a dark place when you're hurt. You may not realize that right now, but the enemy knows that dark place. And so talk about that, you know, that may be pulling at you. And, you know, I, I, I believe a, a great number of temptations as you're trying to develop your own life through prayer, Bible study and all. Some of the greatest temptations that, that come on a pastor is when he's weak. Something's happened. There's been a trauma in life. His health is not what it needs to be, mm-hmm. whatever. I think that's when he becomes most vulnerable. And I think he needs to talk about how he feels at those times, but he has to have somebody to talk to. So I think in developing yourself, accountability has to be that. You have to have somebody that I can say anything to. It's not going to knock their socks off, you know, that, that I'm a human being. I think accountability partners are a real key in developing yourself. And I'll say some more about that later on. But but that's so important because most guys, you know, you try to tell pastors, now we got the COVID episode mm-hmm. and all going on. Guys, this is not a time to ride your horse by yourself. You get totally destroyed. This is This is one of those times we learn the value. You know, you cannot be a lone ranger, but he did have Tonto. He had someone he could rely on. You right. can't be Superman. So you have to learn how to bring these people into your life that that you talk to on a regular basis about your ministry, about you. That could be your DOM. That can be a pastor friend. That can just be somebody who's a friend. But right. you've got to have somebody that you can be the real you with. Yeah. And I think that's how you improve yourself is that they can look at you and see what you're doing. And sometimes you don't want to hear what they're going to tell you, but because they love you. You know, they tell you the truth. We think the people who love us just tell us all the great stuff about us we want to hear. But people who really love you will tell you the truth. And I think that's how you improve yourself personally because they're going to speak things into your life about your family, sure. about the church, about how you're behaving, those kinds of things. Well, John, thank you for uh, just sharing uh, with us and, and adding this discussion, just trying to uh, balance your life. And I think what you said was so applicable to any pastor. Yes, uh, and and especially by vocational, just because the the amount of things that he's involved in, yes. so he he, he uh, desperately needs to be able to be organized, be able to to manage all these things, so he can be truly a servant of the Lord. 
Uh, also, thank you for those who are listening to us uh, today, uh, to our podcast. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Play, I ask it to we'll leave a comment or just follow us. Uh, that will help others to listen to this great resource. If you have any uh, questions for John or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.